You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. But without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. And so we are going to be stepping out of the book of Philippians. I'll tell you why after I pray. But I'd like for you to open up to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 this morning. So you can totally, no judgment, go to your table of contents and just look where Isaiah is if you want. But Isaiah 58, 7 through 8 uh, is... I'm going to read a section later on in our text. Uh, We are going to have it on the screen later, but if you are like me and like have your physical, tangible Bible, it's fun to open it and to see the Word of God in front of you. But uh, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, My name is Riz. If I have not yet met you, glad that you're here. So blessed to have you this morning. But I wanted to pray for our time as we enter into God's Word this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for another day that you have made, and we rejoice and we're glad in it. God, thank you by design. You desire your people to gather on the Lord's day, and that's what we're doing today, Father. This is your day. This is your time. This is the space that we want to gather as a church and hear from you and praise you. We want to be used by you in each other's lives. And God, we want to hear from you in your word this morning. And God, we just ask that you'd have your way. You know where we are all at. God, you know how we're doing. You know what our life consists of. You know what we need this morning better than we even know ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us through your word? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. And normally we're in the book of Philippians. Normally we just, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, we're there and we're studying that this season. But we're doing something different in that uh, I want us to a little bit step into the church calendar. And for You know, some of you, this might be something that when you were growing up in the church, if you did grow up in the church, if your church was maybe perhaps a bit more traditional, uh, obviously there's many denominations in the world, right? You might have been way more in tune with this than other others of you, depending on your upbringing. And for some of you, this is your first time to church, so this will all be new to you. But what happens this season coming up? really in many different Christian denominations and the Catholic Church, really for millennia now, for 2,000 years, what's been developed is what we call like the church calendar or the liturgical calendar. And really what this is, is and why the church globally even has this, is to really guide the church to remember and recall the, the most important events of our faith. It's to not get caught up in the busyness or the mundane, but it's especially for reminding us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the season leading up to that. And again, this calendar that we're talking about today is designed to prompt the followers of Jesus, just like you and I, to respond, to commune with God in a more intentional way. A deeper, maybe more meaningful way throughout the calendar year. Because as you know, I was just having this conversation this morning with many of you. 
how's your year going? How's the new year been? And you're like, it's already mid-February. How has this happened? It's been so quick. Right? The older you get, it feels like the quicker it gets. And life's full with work and family and stuff. And if you're not mindful, it's hard to know, like, what day it is today. 2024. I almost said 2023. <laughs> right? It's hard to know. Let alone, it's hard to remember, like, these crucial events of the biblical historic Christian calendar. And so the church for 2,000 years has struggled with this. Just recalling and remembering, like, where are we in the story of God? And so, because of that, for 2,000 years, every denomination under the sun, pretty much, and the Catholic Church, has put together and followed, again, depending on your denomination, you do or don't, more or less, follow the church liturgical calendar. But, and this is it. So, uh, this is one way you could look at it. If you can see this on your screens, which you probably can't, the top uh, has many different circles. This is one depiction of the church calendar. But if you look in the kind of inner circle, there's like dates, December, January, February, March, April, May. It goes around. And this is the story of the people of God. And it starts with Advent. So Advent, as we know, is the, uh, the church's time where it's anticipating the birth of Jesus. So then there's Christmas time. And then there's Epiphany, which is going, oh, well, Jesus was born, and we recall his life and his ministry. But then what happens is the season of Lent starts, and it's the 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, which we celebrate Good Friday and the resurrection. And then a lot of the rest of the year is just in the church calendar, at least, called ordinary time. And again, I'll, I can share this with any of you. You can just quickly look up, like, the church calendar or the liturgical calendar. But again, depending on your upbringing, you may or may not have done this a lot, or this might be brand new today, or maybe even a little bit weird, or why do we do this? But my heart today is really to just enter into and be reminded of the broader church at hand. Because what so easily uh, happens in any church, not just reality, it could be any church you go to at any time in your life. If you're going to that church, you probably like that church and you resonate how they do things. And um, some churches are way more traditional than others. But the reason why I'm like stepping away from Philippians today is to really primarily be reminded that uh, of not losing sight of the bro broader body of believers that we're part of. Because right, in any denomination, I'm guilty of this as well, you grow up and you're like, mine's the best. My way of doing church on Sundays is the only way, and it's the right way, and it's the best way. And, you know, it's like a sports team. No problem. You can be proud of your, your thing. That's why you're a part of it. But especially with the Christian church, it's really easy to get siloed into one way of thinking, and then discredit or not understand or not even think about all these other traditions. And so, obviously, when there's time and when it lends to it, like, during the year, we'll be reminded, like, remember the church calendar? Okay, today is Pentecost Sunday, and this is when the Holy Spirit came, and this is Advent, like, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. We kind of already do that, but again, where it lends, we'll be reminded of that. But really, not only is it to remember the broader body of believers, which is really important, but also 
my heart for us as our church is to be more intentional in the craziness of each year to pause and remember what our God has done for us. And the reason why I'm saying this today is because this coming Wednesday, which also happens, I believe, to be Valentine's Day, right? February 14th is what is referred as Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday marks the start of the season of Lent, right? Which is 40 days leading up to Easter. Again, depending on your denomination, this might be something that you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, when I was growing up, this was like a really big deal because I went here with my family and blah, blah, blah. And for some of us, we're like, what are you talking about? But again, this Wednesday starts this 40-day period leading up to Easter Sunday, which is called the season of Lent. And again, we know Easter real well. We know Good Friday real well, which again is a part of the liturgical calendar. But today, because in our church, in our lives, Lent is starting on Wednesday, I want to just look at Lent. I want to look at this season that we're entering into uh, that much of the church globally is celebrating. Like around the world, in every tongue, tribe, and nation, most denominations, Christian and Catholic, are celebrating the season of Lent. So what is Lent? Right? Lent is this 40-day or six-and-a-half-week period from Ash Wednesday leading up to Easter. And Lent is often described as this time of preparation, and it's an opportunity to go deeper with God. And the purpose of Lent is to reflect upon what Jesus is doing and has done with Good Friday and Easter. It's this time, it's the season where we focus on really what Jesus has done for us. And usually, traditionally during Lent, it's when we, when we sacrifice things, when we give up things, or we give up things to other people. So it's when fasting and giving alms is talk about, talked about a lot. This idea of fasting and giving alms. And again, it's one of the most important times of the year for Anglican, Catholic, and Orthodox traditions. And for those of you that are really into Christmas, which a lot of people are, you're very familiar with Advent, right? Which celebrates anticipating Christ's birth. But unless you celebrated this, this tradition is celebrating and anticipating the death and the resurrection. And so in, in essence, it's supposed to be a bit more somber. That's why often, if you grew up in a tradition, you abstained from things. Like people give up things for Lent. People fast, whether it's food or whether it's alcohol, or whether it's chocolate or whether it's social media, because they're being purposeful to, to make more space to prepare our hearts for Good Friday and for Easter Sunday. And the idea is, is like very similar to when you prepare for events like in your personal lives, right? If you're getting married or if you're having a birthday or if you're having a graduation, any time in life, you prepare for it. You change things, you change your schedule, you use money this way, you, you don't use money that way because you are preparing for a celebration or an event. And Lent, very much so, really invites us. Lent is an opportunity, I would say, to stop, to pause, 
and to ab abstain from certain things to make our hearts and minds ready for remembering Jesus' life, death, and bodily resurrection. Can I just have a, uh, a show of hands? Who has like celebrated Let in a pretty traditional way growing up? A third of the room. I would say this. I would say for myself, I didn't at all. I came, I came from, um, well, reality in general. We're 20 years old. We came out of Calvary Chapel movement about 20 years ago, which if you know anything about Calvary Chapel, the main purpose it started is how do we share Jesus with a bunch of hippies in California? How do we make church not church in the most ways? How do we like teach the Bible to normal people and make it as little tradition as we can? Again, that's a very... <laughs> but... As reality, we came out of that where we're less traditional, you would say. I grew up that way for the last 20 years. But the longer I do ministry, not in my denomination, only in my denomination, coming to Hawaii, starting a church, seeing all these beautiful expressions of worshiping Jesus in community, I've become to really appreciate some more traditions. I've been really... I've been really encouraged by how people pursue Jesus in their own unique community, in their own unique tradition. And again, for years I was siloed into one way of thinking. And so if you said, what is Lent? I'd be like, what even are you talking about? Because I was very untraditional. But what's neat is, is that if you look at the broader body of Christ, you see that Lent has a lot of purpose to it. And there's actually a lot of really cool reasoning of why globally it's, it's, um, it is celebrated and what the purpose is. And I think how we might enter into this season that is uh, intentional. But the first thing is Ash Wednesday. Right? Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. This is, a very, this is the start of uh, Lent. This is a, the, the really important day. Uh, this if, if you come from a more traditional setting, this is where you see people uh, smudging black ash on their foreheads, right? Ash Wednesday, hence the name. And those ashes are from Ash Wednesday service. They symbolize, what they're meant to symbolize, is the grief for the things which we've done and the resulting division of imperfect people from, an, from a perfect God. It's supposed to be this tangible, like, somber reminder of like our sin and that we've fallen so far from grace and we are people so in need of a savior and so in essence ash wednesday is supposed to be this start of this somber season of our desperate need for a savior and again throughout lent whether you abstain from things or you spend more time with the lord passion week or easter week is where it all culminates so for many of you know, Monday, Thursday, this is the day before Good Friday. It commemorates the, Jesus, the, the night before Jesus died. And traditionally in the church, what people participate in is the Passover or Seder meal. Why do we do that? Because Jesus did that on the eve of his crucifixion with his church. And so depending on your upbringing... Again, it's not good or bad. It's not, it doesn't have that. It's just depending on how much you want to engage in it or not. For many of you, I've talked to you about this, you still do this. You gather people in your homes and you celebrate a traditional Seder or Passover meal on the Thursday before Easter Sunday. 
And again, this is to commemorate and to remember what Jesus is about to do on the cross. And then most of us all know we gather for a Good Friday service. Again, this is during the end of the season of Lent. But what is Good Friday? Well, again, that also is a bit somber in nature because we reflect on how Jesus died upon the cross, right? His sacrifice on our behalf to experience the forgiveness of our wrongs and our sins. And so we gather remembering and recalling what Jesus did for us. But then what happens on Easter Sunday? What is the end of Lent? It's Easter Sunday. And why is it the end? Because it's Resurrection Sunday. There's this whole season of recalling and, and being somber and remembering our need for a Savior. Then the Saviors died. And what happened? Jesus rose again. Right? The reason why Easter Sunday is supposed to be a celebration. And we make it a little bit more celebratory. And we also have like shave ice and bounce houses and stuff. But the reason why we do that the reason why we celebrate, the reason why Easter Sunday, in essence, is supposed to be a time where we rejoice and recall, it's because it's remembering what Jesus did is that he rose from the grave. Sin, death, the devil didn't have any hold on him. God, his only son, rose from the grave, and it gives us hope that we too will not taste the sting of death. Without the resurrection, without Easter Sunday, our faith is void, what Paul would say. And so what Lent is trying to do is trying to connect 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday to recall and remember the key events of our faith. So as we look at Ash Wednesday and 40 days leading up to Easter, as the church, as the followers of Jesus, there's three main things people focus on during Lent. And again, I want to invite you to do this as much as you feel comfortable, as much as you want to, uh, in, in any way you desire to. But here's three main ways that across the world, starting next Wednesday, much of Christianity and Catholicism will celebrate Lent. Number one is prayer. Number two is fasting. Abstaining from something to reduce distractions and focus more on God and giving alms, donating to the poor. These are the three main things. If you do a study of Christian denominations across the world, it'll start next Wednesday for a lot of denominations of Christianity. So number one is prayer. Why I want to invite us into this, not only did we talk about this for our Vision Sunday, that I believe that God is calling us into a deeper sense of prayer as a church, but prayer during Lent specifically is a time where we focus on our need for God's forgiveness. Prayer during Lent is actually supposed to be a time where we recall the things that God has saved us from and the areas in our life that we need to surrender to God to ask for him to redeem and restore continually. Right? Because when we're saved, God forgives us. And he starts this process of transformation. But we are all in need to do a check. A heart check, a mind check, to assess ourselves. And so during Lent, it's supposed to be a purposeful time where in prayer before God, in quiet spaces, where we say, God, I lay my whole life before you. 
and I want you to show me the areas where I need to surrender to you that I'm in sin, that I need to repent of, that I need to uh, free myself of. What areas am I not glorifying you in my life? God, take those from me. And so Lent is the season where the church intentionally asks God where we might repent and turn from our sins to receive God's mercy and love. And again, you're hearing this and you're like, shouldn't we do this all the time? Yes. This should be the part of the Christian life is to like read God's word and by the power of his Holy Spirit become more like him. But again, Lent is a more intentional time that we can join with believers all around the world to do this. The next is fasting. Again, some of you do this regularly. Some of you have done this regularly. Some of you have not. That's okay. That's why we're talking about it because it is a spiritual discipline. It's talked about in Scripture quite a bit. But fasting, in general, is giving up something. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to only be food. It primarily is in Scripture, but it doesn't necessarily only have to be that. Because fasting, by definition, is a practice of denying ourselves to encounter more of God. And again, in its most foundational expression, it's abstaining from food and turning to prayer during the times when we would eat. Like, we're hungry. We're physically feeling hunger. And instead of taking the time to cook food and eat food, which is kind of a long time, or even if you eat out, that's at least a half an hour, during that time, you're not with other people, and when you are physically hungry, you present yourself to God in prayer. But again, um, it doesn't only have to be that. It could be abstaining from anything else. But traditionally, during Lent, is when you think about what, for the next 40 days, will draw me closer to the Lord if I get rid of it. That's why often it's not food, it's actually social media. Or it's Netflix at night for two hours. What is taking up time that if you abstain from that, you could spend more time with God? Right? Or is there anything in your life, like people going into Lent, going into Ash Wednesday, ask themselves, what is something I can remove for 40 days that would allow me to draw near to the Lord. And again, so not only is it prayer, but it's fasting is traditionally associated with uh, Lent. And again, the main purpose of fasting is, uh, is taking time away from something to be replaced with more time connecting with God, which is really neat. That's like so wise of the church over the years to actually set up time to do this. So I appreciate that. But lastly, and it's connected to denying ourselves and giving to others, is this idea of giving alms. Again, we don't say that. We don't say that word, really. I don't, I don't, in my vocabulary, you probably don't. But really what that means is giving money. And it's connected to giving money to someone in need during this season as a way of responding to God's grace and generosity and love that he's given to us. Again, Lent is all about physically, practically, and symbolically doing these, these motions to remind us of what Jesus is doing for us. And for many of us, what hurts? 
what costs most? What are we going to feel is giving our money away? We live in Hawaii. It's expensive. For many of us, we don't have much of that money. Um, this is not only true of 2024 living in Hawaii. This is true of many people in the church for the last 2,000 years across the world. It's not, not everyone is really wealthy. And giving of money in any way costs, and you feel it, and it's a sacrifice. And so during Lent, a lot of times, the practice of giving alms is a... Uh, is a practice of self-denial and an outward-facing practice to show love to our neighbors and tangibly, tangibly care for them because God has so tangibly cared for us. Right, so not only is it praying, not only is it fasting, but it's being very intentional with our resources. It's being really mindful of those around us that do not have resources, and it's out of sacrifice, giving to those in need, not, be, not out of religiosity, but rather out of symbolic remembrance of the cross, right? If Jesus gave himself and he died and he gave us everything, how much more should we give to others who are in need? Like that's, that's the idea here. And since I asked you at the beginning of the sermon to turn to Isaiah 58, verse 7 through 8. I have it on the screen, but I want to read this section from Isaiah because it talks about, in the section, it's talking about what true fasting is or, or the fast that God desires even more than just fasting from food. And this is what the, uh, Isaiah says. Is the fast God desires not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wanderer with shelter? Like, is it not? When you see the naked, it's to clothe them and to not turn away your own flesh and blood. So he's saying this is like what a, a proper fast is. It's not only abstaining from food, but it's actually giving to those in need. And Isaiah says the result from this true fast is he says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and, your, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Again, in context, there's more to this. And I encourage you to read Isaiah 58 because it's incredible. But what Isaiah is doing here is he's reflecting and much of it speaking to this Lent season. What is the fast God desires? Well, Yes, it's fasting and abstaining for food for that purpose, but a true fast or a more wholesome fast is actually to give to those in need. And the promise from Isaiah here is that when we do this, when we as a people deny ourselves, we take up the cross, we follow Jesus, and the fruit of that is loving our neighbor and giving to those around us in need, and we become a more generous, sacrificial people, the promise, the fruit of it, is that our light will break forth like the dawn, and healing will come, and righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be our rear guard. There's beautiful, tangible effects also, outward effects from this season of Lent. And why the church 2,000 years later is still doing this is because not only have they grown closer to the Lord, 
but also there's been tangible, fruitful effects to the people around them as the church has engaged in this season of Lent. So what is this pra- where does this practically leave us? That was kind of like more of a history lesson to the church and a lot of terminology and whatnot. But what is this practically, how should this practically leave us this morning? Well, I know for me, Anytime this season of Lent comes around, again, my upbringing, I'm not naturally wired to know all these spiritual practices that I should do. Over the years, right, as I've studied church history, as I've looked at the Bible, as I've looked at other denominations, it's come more apparent. But I know for me, and my prayer is for us, is that we would just be more intentional to commune with God in a deeper and more meaningful way in this season leading up to Easter. My prayer and my hope is that we would actually be mindful of the church calendar. We wouldn't get caught up with the busyness of life, but we, should, we would pause. And again, whether that's fasting for a couple days, whether it's fasting on Tuesdays, whether it's fasting from social media, like I would encourage you to prayerfully consider Talk with a friend, talk with a spouse, talk with your roommates, talk with your coworkers if, if, they're, if this is going to relate to them. What can we abstain from to spend more time with Jesus? Let's do it together. And that could be in the church too. Maybe that's in your Ohana group. Maybe this week you could say, hey, what are we going to fast from these 40 days? Again, it doesn't have to only be food. And please be careful when you fast. There's, there's you know. Like, don't just fast for 40 days. Come talk to me before you do that right away because that's going to be dangerous. Come talk to me. We'll talk about it more. But my heart is to, on a Sunday morning, to be reminded of the broader body of Christ and really to encourage and challenge us to, like, be more intentional with God, to pray more, to fast on something, and to give to those in need. And my hope and my prayer is that instead of, like, being reactive with your Christianity, what I mean by that is, like, oh, it's Sunday again, I should go to church. And then you don't think about anything at all, which, again, no judgment, a lot of us do this. And then you're like, oh, another week's gone by, it's church already, and, like, oh, man, I, I didn't even, like, think about God at all. My hope and my prayer is, like, slowly and slowly that changes. And you know what that takes, though? Like, Discipline and intention. What's something that doesn't come to you? Time. Right? You're like, I'll just get to it when I have time. Good luck. 21st century. Busy life. Multiple jobs. Multiple kids. You have a spouse. Like, good luck. So here's what it's going to take. It's going to take intention. And so I want to give you an example just because uh, I'm not saying that... uh, This is me. I'm just saying how intentional I have to be. I want to share how the only way I can actually get intentional time with God is to wake up before the whole house wakes up in my house. Once, like, one child is up, which is my son. He's the rooster of the family. Once he's up, I literally do not have time until bedtime. And by bedtime, you know, you're like, I'm out. (laughs) I've gotten too old for that. I'm like, I'm out. When my kids are, I'm out. So for me, it it does require, like, I have to set an earlier alarm 
and I know I'm not going to wake up on my first alarm, so then I have to set two alarms. Every single day, my body does not want to wake up. But I know, I know, I will not get time with God in silence, in prayer, or in the Word of God, other than like studying for a sermon, unless 5 o'clock is my first alarm and 5.30 I have to wake up. 5.30 to 6 o'clock is the time in my life I only have that half an hour. If I don't have it, it doesn't come. And you're like, where is on the lunch hour? You're like, it doesn't happen. I have meetings in lunch hour. I got to do stuff. Like, I think all of you can relate. And some of you are probably better at this than me. That's why I'm saying it's not about me. But I want to encourage you, like, starting Wednesday. Let's start to tomorrow. But let's start Wednesday, right? Monday's hard to start something new. On Ash Wednesday, before then, think about where are you even going to get time with the Lord? And again, if you engage in, in fasting, and so again, buying, preparing, and eating food, that's a lot of time of day. So that might be really good that, you know what, like on Wednesdays during Lent, I am not going to eat food. I'm not. And I'm not going to have a meeting, and I'm not somehow like I'm going to just go somewhere for 30 minutes while I'm hungry, and I'm going to just spend time with God. A Bible, a journal, and, and silence for half an hour every Wednesday. I guarantee you that will be incredible, even though it will be really hard. And uncomfortable physically, you spiritually will probably encounter God in deeper ways. So again, there is no secret formula or right formula because your life is different than mine. You have better discipline or less discipline, whatever it is. You have a different schedule. My hope and prayer for our church, Reality Honolulu, because I can only speak to that, is that Good Friday and Easter is coming in 40 days from Wednesday. It is, it is the paramount moment of the Christian calendar and our Christian faith. Without Good Friday and Christian Sunday, all of this is void. But it happened, and we celebrate it, and we remember it. And God, through the centuries, has used his church, has spoken to his church, and used his church in this season of Lent. And so I want to, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, well, it can't be the hundredth time, however old you are every year, uh, that you've, involved, that you've uh, in, uh, participated in this season of Lent, I want to encourage you to dive in, to pray more, fast, and give to those in need. Amen? Let's do it together. It's going to be a good one. Let's encounter more of Jesus over these next 40 days as we get to Easter Sunday. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even though we are in this room today, thank you that brothers and sisters of Christ, of every tongue, tribe, and nation have done this for millennia before us. Thank you that when we talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent and Monday, Thursday and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, as we talk about this time in the church calendar, thank you that we are joining in with Christians and brothers and sisters around the globe. And Jesus, our heart and our desire is to be a church that remembers and recalls and worships you for who you are and what you've done. We want to be a people 
that are more influenced by you than the things of the world. We want to spend more intentional time with you than other things. And so, God, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the strength and the self-control and the wisdom of how can we carve out more intentional time with you these next six and a half weeks or 40 days? Jesus, even as we enter into this time of musical worship, as we end our service this morning, I pray that we would start right now, whether it's surrendering or committing things to you or, or just pausing and recalling all that you've done for us. We just don't want to be a people that are swayed by everything around us, by the busyness of our phones and our emails and our job responsibilities. We want to be a people that are like fully committed and devoted to the way of Jesus. Would you help us to do that this season? Church, as always, we set up this time of musical worship after the sermon, not to just have it as a bookend, but actually an intentional time of response. So we have a couple ways.